Hello and welcome to another episode of What Sports. This is your host Mike Jones here with you and we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. We officially have mainstream live sporting events going on. Uh, specifically, as far as I'm interested in, the Colorado Rockies have started their preseason games and the Denver Nuggets have finally been able to resume their season. Lots to unpack there. Not to mention a little bit of news in the NFL and a little bit of Broncos-specific news as well. And in the NHL, although we do not have any games that have started up quite yet, the NHL franchise starting up in Seattle has officially released their new name and I I gotta admit I watched the hype video I was kind of into it I'm liking the name I'm also well aware that there's going to be a lot of area for um, mocking with this name but let's be honest any name if you if you're opposed to that team there's plenty of room to uh mock but let's get started with the nfl the nfl and the nflpa came together and agreed on terms for no preseason games at all now we all it all started with you know first there was going to be no hall of fame game okay whatever you know we're down to just regular four games for every team instead of two teams getting extra games which really those teams always seem to uh not appreciate the extra work really um and then it came down to and it was decided that there was only going to be two preseason games basically lopping off week one and week four um, giving a little bit of an extra break between preseason games and the start of the regular season. And then earlier this week, it came out that there will officially be no preseason in the NFL. I am of mixed feelings of this person. I understand it's preseason football. It's, you know, not real games, uh, but... One, that first preseason game. I mean, just the excitement that goes into it about the NFL season returning to us. Of being able to sit there and watch the Denver Broncos, my team, suit up and play games. The first time you're able to see this new rookie class out there on the field against NFL competition... And seeing how they stack up. And then just as the preseason goes on, the progression of these rookies. Uh, I mean, looking back on it um, and thinking about quarterbacks in the past. You know, Jay Cutler, Paxton Lynch. Look back on them now and it's not necessarily the best of memories. But then you have more recent with Drew Locke. And obviously, super high on Drew Locke right now. But all these quarterbacks in particular, you see their progression through the preseason. And as a fan base, 
being able to see how much they learn and how much they change from week one of the preseason until week three or week four of preseason, depending on whether or not they were, you know, projected to be the starter or not, really gives you hope and hypes you up as a fan base, being able to see this highly touted prospect develop and show that they have the capability of learning and the capability of improving their game and that drive to just get better. And being able to see that in just that four-week span was something I always looked forward to. And then you just you look at it on you know a bigger scale we're talking about you know an extra 20 players who aren't going to get a chance to make an NFL roster because the roster sizes are dropped down as well I believe it's only 80 players per team now and not just that you th- think back about all the success stories that come out of preseason. The biggest one that comes to mind is Terrell Davis and that tackle he made on special teams that a lot a lot of people say that is the play that earned him a roster spot with the Denver Broncos. And then he goes on to win Super Bowl MVP, have a 2,000-yard rushing season. And who knows if that would have ever even happened if we did not have preseason. Those roster competitions at various positions throughout um, throughout a team, whether you're talking about you know outside linebacker, whether you're talking about who's going to make it as the fifth wide receiver, and those sorts of competition, as a, just a pure football fan and football fanatic, I loved tracking those things. And now it's going to be so much harder to track. That and really see somebody separate themselves from the rest of the group without taking the field, without being able to step on the field and in real competition against another team that that other player has no ties to you that you're going up against, has no emotional connection to you, and is fighting their ass off to make their team you know, nothing's held back out there when you're talking about these fighting for these final few spots. And to take that away and that opportunity to really prove yourself is kind of kind of a letdown to me. Now, I know most fans don't really get into preseason. I know, you know, preseason football is kind of anticlimactic in a lot of ways. You're super excited to have football back, but then, you know, by week two, week three, especially for most most fans of the NFL, it's kind of like, okay, come on, let's get back. Let, let, let's have some real football, some games that matter happen. But I, I'm just being honest, I am going to miss the preseason. I'm going to miss seeing the competitions. I'm going to miss seeing somebody really rise that that underdog story that it's going I'm not saying it's impossible it's going to, but it's going to be a lot harder to have without these preseason games 
Now, Broncos-specific when it comes to news coming out of the NFL, uh, the deadline to sign a long-term extension for franchise for tag players, players tagged with the franchise tag, has come and gone, and Justin Simmons did not get signed. John Elway was not able to pull a rabbit out of a hat, pull some, you know, pull that comeback, that that two-minute drive, if you will, to sign Justin Simmons to a long-term contract. So this doesn't necessarily bode well for his future with the Broncos because uh, it's kind of a, as a player, you look around the NFL and if you don't get signed, that first time under the franchise tag, a lot of the times you don't end up signing a long-term contract with that team ever. I mean, because you as a player can a lot of times feel disrespected that they did not come to you and lock you down long-term with that security that as an NFL player, as, as a person, you desire security so it is a little disheartening that we weren't able to get something done with Justin Simmons now being on a one-year deal I I would venture a guess that we're about to see the best that we have ever seen out of Justin Simmons because it is a prove-it season as much if not more so than last year was for Justin Simmons to go out there and show not just the Broncos now, but show the other 31 teams across the league that, hey, I am worth getting paid top safety dollars. I am worth getting locked down for six, seven years because I am just entering the prime of my career. This this is not a, you know, go out there and he's going to prove that he's not just, he wasn't just like a one-year wonder. You know, that flash in the pan last year. Not that he was bad before, but last year he was the first year that he really kind of separated himself, especially among the national perspective, as really one of the top safeties in the NFL. I mean, and that was shown with getting a Pro Bowl nomination. So, I, I'm not giving up hope that Justin Simmons could still get locked down as a Bronco long-term. I'm just saying it doesn't look good. But speaking of looking good, moving over to the NHL. The NHL's newest franchise, coming to an ice potentially near you sometime soon... Is going to be based in Seattle. Now, it's was kind of, you know, leaked early on what Seattle's NHL franchise was going to be named. But it was officially named earlier today. Uh, it came out that Seattle is going to be the Seattle Kraken. The legendary beasts of Fork folklore 
the release the Kraken famous line from Pirates of the Caribbean. That is going to be the mascot, the fear-inducing creature that is going to represent NHL Seattle. Now, they're going to be coming at you with an icy blue and navy blue color scheme uh, with some sharp red accents. I watched, like I said in you know the intro here, I watched the... Uh, the release video for the Kraken that they put out their you know their hype video if you will and I actually I quite enjoyed it uh, and with the logo with the way they dropped it you know the s there with the navy blue and then the accents of that icy blue and then the sharp red there with the eyeball I actually really dug it as far as NHL logos go I would put up that up there near the top as far as you know my personal taste I mean obviously I'm still going to lean towards the Colorado Avalanche as <laughs> but purely logo wise I actually really dig what Seattle is doing the only drawback is is right face value so many avenues to mock this team you're going to be able to mock any name that comes out there really but a name like Krakens you know you got you got plumber crack you got crack heads i mean there's just so much to go with that and Thinking about that, I kind of wonder how much the committee thinks about that when they're trying to come up with a new name. I mean, going back to the NFL, the NFL Redskins are no longer the Redskins. Now, they said earlier today they're going to be called the Washington football team, which, boom, man, that's a lot of creativity went into that one. Washington football team and then you got to make all these jerseys and everything for this upcoming season to get rid of all you know mention of Redskins all over that which personally as a you know Alaska Native and American Indian myself I never had an issue with the name Redskins but that's that's a story for a different day but to put all the money into creating new merchandise, as I assume they're going to, not just for the team, but to sell in stores for fans, to roll this all out, that just says, you know, FB on the chest or something. Uh, I, I mean, that seems like a colossal waste of money. Instead of just coming up with a name now... And going forward with it. But I, I digress a little here. I'm just I just kind of wonder when you have a committee coming together to come up with the name for a professional franchise, whether it's Washington's new name going forward or Seattle coming up with the Kraken. I wonder how often, if at all, it really comes up in conversation like, oh, hmm, 
if we go with this name, then there's the this potential consequence. There's there's this potential um, drawback from this name. Just just a thought that had raced through my mind. Do they think about how other fan bases can attack a name when they're coming up with it? I know. Random thought that comes through my mind doesn't really have any relevance or, you know, I, I really doubt it even goes through their head. A bunch of millionaires sitting in a office trying to come up with a name. I'm sure jokes are about the last thing going through their heads. But I do like the name. I like the logo. That was probably my favorite part uh, part. Uh, of that video so excited to see the NHL expanding getting up to 32 teams Seattle Kraken and that makes me really excited for the future potentially to get a NBA franchise back in Seattle as well because they really deserve to have an NBA franchise they should have never had the Supersonics taken away from them in the first place so, they should get one back here. I'll say soon, but soon is all relative. Here in the next, you know, decade at most, I would assume. But, moving on to some leagues that have actually started playing ball. Starting with the MLB, the Colorado Rockies have started their summer training and actually subsequently concluded their summer training uh, with a two-game series against the Texas Rangers. Rockies actually won both of those games 5-1 to one on Tuesday and last night, Wednesday night, winning 7-3. to three. A couple things that kind of stood out for me from these is the low-scoring affairs they were, as far as what the Rockies gave up. Uh, it's definitely encouraging to see, you know, seeing opposing box scores with only six hits and five hits. Four runs combined through two games. And I know the Texas Rangers are not, you know, they're not a dominant team. But still... When you're talking about pitching for the Colorado Rockies, I don't care who you're going up against. They're all major league talents out there. To only give up four runs in two games is an encouraging sign. But looking through what um, who pitched and who was pitching well... I actually really liked what I saw from Hoffman going out there. Hoffman pitched two innings Tuesday night, uh, gave up three hits, but was relatively efficient having pitched two innings, giving up no runs whatsoever. And Hoffman, somebody who has who came in to the franchise, to the club with immense potential and in the opportunities he has had on the major league level, it's kind of fallen flat, unfortunately. So to see him have a good outing was nice. 
the scoring Tuesday night, a, a lot of it, uh, basically all of it, came off of home runs. Daniel Murphy hit a solo home run in the second inning. Arnado hit a solo home run in the fourth inning. Dahl hit a two-run home run in the fifth inning. So, for those of you keeping score home, that was four out of five runs produced on the long ball. When you now Thursday or Wednesday night, my apologies, the Rockies came out and put up a seven to three victory. No home runs that day, but Sensatella came out uh, and pitched five strong innings, five innings, three earned runs against them. Not perfect, of course, but. That is a solid starting outing. But with Sensatella giving up three runs in five innings, that means we went through four innings of bullpen pitching without giving up a single run. And coming into this season, the biggest area of concern, as far as I was worried, was the bullpen. Now, we got rid of, recently... We, we cut ties with Shaw. We cut ties with Jake McGee, who were a couple of players absorbing huge contracts that have looked just bad as of late in the last couple seasons for the Colorado Rockies. So to cut ties with them, maybe getting some fresh blood, some new blood up in there, that bullpen can turn around. We still have held on to Wade Davis, which I I like that we're holding on to him. He had a good season his first year back his first year with the Rockies, and he started off really strong last year before falling off later on in the season. I hold out hope that a talent, an elite bullpen talent like Wade Davis, is going to be able to find his rhythm out there on the mound again this year for the Rockies in a 60-game season. I think that is a, a risk worth taking on Wade Davis. Now, with, with the Rockies knocking out their two-game preseason... Uh, their first series is going to be against the Rangers starting tomorrow, July 24th. When I saw this, honestly, my first thought was, ooh, they're playing in Arlington. That's actually really close to where I am right now. I should try to go over and see a game. And then I, you know, completely forgetting about the circumstances and how the world is behaving right now. And then I remembered all that, and I was like, oh, that's right, there's no fans allowed at games. Doesn't matter if they're a three-hour drive away, I can't go watch them. And a solitary tear rolled down my face. So I am very excited to see what is going to happen this season for the Colorado Rockies. I was... 
hopeful for the season before it even got shortened because the offense is there and and the offense is always going to be there really for the Rockies you're talking about four all-stars on the positional side of things and then the starting pitching I believe that guys like Freeland namely but also to an extent Marquez are going to find their rhythm again after a down season last year, returning to that lineup, and then put them alongside Gray and that three-headed monster, if you will, for the Rockies starting off the rotation. I, I mean, they're not on a Strasburg level. They're not on, you know, a uh, Syndergaard and DeGrom level. But that is a really good three-man rotation there, in my opinion. Uh, Speaking of starting pitching, real quick, little side note here. uh, Peter Lambert, the guy who, you know, announced himself with a debut last season against the Chicago Cubs, in which he struck out nine players in that game in his MLB major league debut struck out nine um his season is is done uh he undergoes Tommy John surgery so that is something that we won't be able to see and see his progression this season but back to my time and coming into the season I believe that starting rotation was going to get back to being one of, if not the best starting rotations the Rockies have ever had. The bullpen was the biggest point of concern. But I I held out hope specifically for Wade Davis to be able to return to form and just what little moves they did do, I put my trust in Bud Black to be able to fix that bullpen. He is a pitching guru, granted mostly with starting pitchers, but I would put my trust in Bud Black to be able to fix what was ailing that bullpen, especially in this elongated postseason that they had. And, of course... You know, offensively, you're talking about Arenado, you're talking about Story, you're talking about Blackman, you're talking about Dahl, you're talking about one of the most underrated players in the entire majors, in my opinion, in Tony Walters, at least one of the most underrated catchers. His defense is elite, and he really went through stretches last year where his bat was nice. Uh, you're talking about, you know, Daniel Murphy, who started off slow because, you know, he, he messed his hand up very early on in the season and tried to play through it, I really think, before he was supposed to. But you're talking about Daniel Murphy, a guy who 
I predict a bounce back season for him. Uh, another season playing primarily at first base, he'll be a lot more comfortable playing that position defensively. And I only see improvements coming from his play from last year coming into this year. The only real question mark I would have defensive or uh, position player wise is that second base uh, is is Garrett Hampson and his wheels. Is he going to be seeing a lot of time? Are we going to see Brendan Rogers really break out after a um, lackluster first season in the majors? Or is McMahon just going to be that slow and steady? I mean, he, he doesn't really wow you with anything. He doesn't have great pop. He, he doesn't hit for a great average. His defense isn't necessarily great. But he is that steady player that is good at everything. And to see what happened at, happens at second base as the season goes on is definitely something I am intrigued to see. Talked about, you know, preseason football and seeing who separates themselves. As far as baseball goes, and the Rockies specifically, that competition at second base and seeing if somebody is able to step up and separate themselves and really grab that position by the horns and own it, that is, that's a storyline I will be following and I will be watching with great interest all season long. Again, the Colorado Rockies wrapped up their preseason schedule, um, summer league, if you or summer training, if you will, two and zero against the Rangers, and will start their regular season with a great three game series against the Rangers on Friday. Now, moving on to the NBA, they started their exhibition games yesterday. And, quite frankly, this is probably what I am most excited to talk about uh, today because of one player in particular. Bowl Bowl. The Denver Nuggets started their exhibition series against the Washington Wizards. And, on the face... You look at the starting lineup they rolled out. They rolled out Jokic at point guard. So you're talking about a seven-foot point guard. We rolled out Plumlee at center. Rolled out Millsap at power forward. And then rolled out Jeremy Grant at shooting guard. And Bull Bull at small forward. Now, this is not a lineup that we're likely to ever see really in the regular season. But you're talking about basically three seven-footers. I mean, Plumlee's a little under. But Bobo makes up for it by being damn near 7'3". And then, you know, a couple of 6'8", 6'9", guys out there. And that was the starting lineup for your Denver Nuggets. I love it. I'm... I love... Size. I love height out there on the court. I love length out there on the court. I love reach out there on the court. And you got that in spades with the Denver Nuggets in this exhibition game. All in all, 
in this game, the shortest player, the only player under 6'8 that played for the Denver Nuggets was Troy Daniels. And Troy Daniels played 30 minutes in this exhibition game. Now, they only had eight guys play in this. Um, Monte Morris, Jamal Murray, uh, Will Barton. None of those guys played. I mean, and those are really just about the only real guards outside of Daniels. Oh, and MPJ Dozier that the Nuggets uh, have. And none of them played. So you you rolled out this tall ball, if you will. This, you know, completely countering the trend going on in the NBA. Everybody's trying to go small ball. It's epitomized by the Houston Rockets. Who have a team where they have nobody. Their starting lineup, no, their tallest player, I believe, was P.J. Tucker at like 6'7". And then to see the Nuggets roll out a lineup where they have, you know, th- three guys seven foot out there and their shortest guy is six foot eight. I loved it. Now, we may not see this line up going forward, but if Bowl Bowl is able to play like he did in this exhibition game, we could very well see a starting lineup that features three guys 6'10 and above. Now, Bowl Bowl, huh, that's just fun to play. say. I mean, how can you not be like an all-star, a, a, a great player with a name like Bowl Bowl? Uh, he played 32 minutes in this game, racked up 16 points. That's that's respectable. 10 rebounds. That's good. So he got a double-double in this exhibition game. But rolling on over, um, he had six blocks in this game. Six blocks. And I'm not saying he's, he could average six blocks in an, in an NBA season. But he's good to average two to three blocks just because he's almost seven foot three. He's got a seven nine wingspan and he is athletic. Like for a guy this big, he moves really well. Just the, the potential of this. There was one play where he got a block, did a trans got the ball in transition, and then did a pull-up three and drained it. Like, the the potential in this kid is almost infinite. I mean, people are excited about MPJ. I am excited about MPJ. I am more excited about the potential of Bull Bull, if I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. Just that skill set on somebody that tall and the fact that he can move and how well I picture him being able to play alongside Jokic at that power forward position. I mean, really, it'd be interchangeable between Bol Bol and Jokic. You'd have them both out there and, you know, you got your four or five taken care of and it doesn't really matter who's technically which one. Another interesting stat line for Bol Bol, though, is he had the highest plus-minus in the game at plus 18. Uh, he was tied with somebody on Washington, but Washington lost the game, so who cares? 
plus 18. He was 2 for 8 on 3-pointers, 2 for 4 from the free throw line. He also had 1 assist, which, watching that on replay, the way he slung that around, just slang it. He slang it. Oh, that was beautiful. Like, that was almost a Jokic-esque type of pass and vision from somebody who is 7-3 people. Oh, so yes, I am, I was stoked watching this game. I was so excited to see Bol Bol play some basketball. And I don't know if he'll get much play in this postseason when real games get started. But next season, he should get a real long good look from Mike Malone. And... It's not just like the fans. Other players are hyping him up in, in ways that they were hyping up MPJ. So to hear peers talk about him in this sort of light is super encouraging as well. But we may not see it this year. But we could very well, and I, I, I would say we will see it next year, is just such a counter to small ball. Because not only did the Nuggets strike potentially gold in bowl bowl, and really the steal of the draft in the second round when they drafted him. If he can stay healthy. Now, that is, that is a huge if. But just the mere potential he has far and exceeds the risk involved in taking him. And this was done just one year after the Nuggets were able to draft Michael Porter Jr., who slid down to 14 for them to be able to take. He he, he slid down. This was a guy that was potentially the number one overall pick. Like, he was the best player in the country in high school. And if it wasn't for the back injury, now it's a back injury. Obviously, big deal. But this was a number one overall talent that slid to the Nuggets. And then you followed up with a top three type of talent following falling to the Nuggets in the second round. Such a unique skill set with both these players. And such great shooting touch with both of these players at such great length and height. MPJ is a 6'10", almost 6'11", small forward. Bobol is a 6'2", almost 6'3", center power forward. I mean, if these guys, if they were to both reach their peaks, if they were to both reach their potential, especially you put them alongside Jokic, and then with, you know, Murray, if these guys reach their potential, Murray is the fourth best player on this team, and the Nuggets are a dynasty. Now, these are a lot of ifs. You're talking about two players that have relatively 
big injury concerns and having them both reach their potential, huge ifs here. But the potential of this team with those two guys on it is just so huge and astronomical. Now, probably not this postseason, but I think next year we could very well see a starting lineup that features MPJ at small forward at 6'10", almost 6'11". Bowl Bowl at power forward at, you know, 7'2", almost 7'3". And Jokic at the center at 7'. Just picturing that and that length, that height out there on the court when all these other teams are trying to go small ball and trying to, you know, be the Houston Rockets and put out a team where, you know, nobody is six foot eight. And to counter that with all this length is just so mouthwatering. And it is super exciting because when you're the fan of sports, you can look across not just the NBA, but all leagues. And you see a trend. You see one team, whether it's, if you're sticking with the NBA, Golden State and jacking up these threes. Steph Curry in particular taking these super long range threes. And then you start seeing across the league with other teams trying to emulate that. You know, you you look in the NFL, okay? The Kansas City Chiefs just won a Super Bowl. Tyreek Hill, the fastest player, probably the fastest player, I guess I should say, in the entire NFL on that team. A huge part of what makes that offense so prolific. And it's because of his speed. And then in this draft, this past April, who was the number one wide receiver taken? Henry Ruggs. Was he the best wide receiver in this draft class? No. No, he wasn't. He was probably the third. Maybe even the fourth best wide receiver in this class. But you know what he was? He was the fastest player in this draft. So he was the first wide receiver off the board. And it's copycat leagues across. It's a copycat association in the NBA. So... Everybody's winning. Everybody's going towards, and people are looking at the analytics and saying, "Oh, we need to go small ball. We need, we need to stretch the floor." But then, to have a team that isn't necessarily just following the trend. Now, granted, when you have the benefit of having a top five NBA player who is seven foot in Nikola Jokic. You kind of have that leeway and that ability to buck the trend. Because your best player bucks that trend. But to be able to go out and potentially be the trend setter and not just the trend follower is so awesome. And I am super excited about it. Like I said, I've always loved height and length 
on the basketball court. And the Nuggets could roll out such a great long lineup that is not just long, but has such great touch shooting the ball and such unique skill sets, specifically when you're talking about Jokic and Bobol, that really you won't see anywhere else in the NBA. I mean, I heard one person talking about Bobol at his peak, his potential being a combination of Kristaps Porzingis and Kevin Durant. I mean, and that's that's lofty, lofty comparison right there. But I am so excited to see how this develops for the Denver Nuggets and how these players develop and potentially how they play together on the court at the same time. It is just mouthwatering. But that is all I got time for today. Thank you for listening. Again, you've been listening to What Sports. My name is Mike Jones. You can give me a follow on Twitter, Instagram, at AKCoachJones. Go ahead, like, follow on Podbean, Apple Podcast, Google Play, whatever you're listening to. Give it a like, give it a follow, give it a comment. I appreciate all of those. Talk to you all next week.